Law of Self-Defense content you are about to enjoy is presented for general educational purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice. If you are in need of legal advice, consult competent legal counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Welcome everyone to the official launch of my coverage of the second degree murder trial of Derek Chauvin, criminally charged in the March 25th, 2020 in custody death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I am attorney Andrew Branca for Law of Self-Defense and providing guest commentary and analysis for legal insurrection for the duration of Chauvin's trial. Tomorrow, Monday, March 8th, begins the jury selection for Chauvin's trial with opening arguments likely within the following week or two and presumably a verdict by sometime in early or mid-April. It's my intent to provide daily coverage of the trial proceedings as much in real time as circumstances allow and based on actual observation of trial proceedings as they occur. Throughout the trial, I'll be providing in-depth legal analysis in the form of blog posts here at Legal Insurrection, as well as at my own website, Law of Self-Defense, as informed by my own modest expertise in use of force law and based solely on the relevant evidence and law in this case, with links to the actual sources of evidence and law as appropriate. Many of you may remember my coverage of the George Zimmerman trial back in 2013, and if so, you can expect the same coverage, insight, and expertise in the trial of Chauvin as well. I also plan to use the social media platform Parler to provide live coverage of the Chauvin trial as it proceeds. For those interested in following that content, I'm on Parler using the handle at Law of Self-Defense, no spaces, at Law of Self-Defense. Now, what's the narrative of guilt here being forwarded by the prosecution? In summary, the narrative of guilt for Chauvin is that while a Minneapolis police officer lawfully arresting Floyd, Chauvin placed his knee on Floyd's neck with sufficient force and for a sufficient duration to cause Floyd's death, doing all this before a crowd and on camera, knowing he was being filmed for the world, and in a manner consistent with the criminal act of second-degree murder. Naturally, the prosecution is obliged to prove the elements of this crime, or any lesser-included offense, beyond a reasonable doubt in order to obtain a conviction. What about the narrative of innocence? Well, in contrast, the narrative of innocence for Chauvin is likely to be something to the effect that Chauvin's use of force, the knee on Floyd's neck, was a lawful and appropriate use of force under the circumstances of making a lawful arrest of a non-compliant Floyd who presented the appearance of experiencing excited delirium, that this technique was approved and trained by Chauvin's department as a non-deadly force restraint technique under these circumstances, and that the technique was not applied in a manner that could be reasonably expected to cause death or serious injury to Floyd, consistent with the lack of any indication of any trauma, whatever to Floyd's neck discovered upon medical examination. Further, the narrative of innocence is likely to argue that the actual cause of Floyd's death was not Chauvin's knee at all, but rather the threefold fatal dose of fentanyl in Floyd's system, presumably because the drug was ingested by Floyd upon approach by the officers making his arrest in order to conceal the drug from discovery by those officers. This narrative would hold that the ingestion by Floyd of the fatal dose of fentanyl would have inevitably resulted in his death regardless of any conduct by the officers involved. This is particularly so given Floyd's medical history of existing respiratory and cardiovascular disease, his COVID-positive status, and his poorly made decision to physically and forcibly resist lawful arrest for some 10 minutes. 
It's also known that Floyd had a history of ingesting illicit drugs to prevent their discovery when approached by officers, and indeed he had previously been hospitalized as a consequence of precisely such conduct. It's unclear at this point, however, if that history will be admitted as evidence at Chauvin's trial. As has become routine in such cases, Floyd's in-custody death and Chauvin's trial have been racially energized by the usual suspects, including attorney Benjamin Crump, who will be familiar to us from uh, the George Zimmerman case and many other similar cases, and of course, the social and mainstream media generally. Their narrative is that this is another example in a long list of instances of white police officers murdering black suspects, a continuation of what they argue is well-established institutional racism of police departments in particular and America as a whole. Indeed, the established social narrative puts Chauvin's guilt as the murderer of Floyd as beyond question. Of course, George Zimmerman faced a similar established social narrative, when his trial began on second-degree murder charges for the killing of Trayvon Martin, and after 14 months of investigation and trial, he was acquitted of all charges on the basis of self-defense by a racially diverse jury in a matter of hours. Much of the world was shocked by the acquittal of Zimmerman because they'd been propagandized by the social media narrative to be utterly convinced of his guilt. Those of you who followed my day-to-day analysis of that trial, however, fully understood that not only was the prosecution's case against Zimmerman unbelievably weak, there was literally no evidence in the case inconsistent with Zimmerman's narrative of lawful self-defense. For the well-informed, Zimmerman's acquittal might have come as a relief, but certainly not as a surprise. Will we see the same outcome in the trial of Chauvin? Follow my daily coverage and analysis of the trial right here at Legal Insurrection to find out. Now, I should also mention I began analysis of this case soon after Floyd's death over at my own Law Self-Defense website, and anyone interested in reading that earlier content and analysis, which includes far more details than I've included in this launch post, can access those pieces of analysis uh, through links that I've included in the text version of today's content. Okay, folks, buckle up, gird your loins, and all that good stuff, and get ready for our coverage of the second-degree murder trial of Derek Chauvin, starting substantively tomorrow with the beginning of jury selection. Until then, I'm attorney Andrew Branker for Law of Self-Defense and a guest commentator here on Legal Insurrection. Stay safe. 